0: Earlier this week, I was praying about, all right, God, uh, I'm pretty sure Gabriel's not going to be able to do this, so uh, what should we talk about Sunday? Uh, what does this look like? And I had one thing prepared, and I was praying, and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to go in a different direction, because we've been praying as a church family for Sonny for a couple weeks, for a few weeks. Uh, staff, maybe a little longer, but then even you guys, I know we've been praying for healing, and then, and then he passed. And whenever we pray for someone to be healed, and they're not healed, it's very natural for the questions to arise, why? Why are some people healed and others not? It can cause us to even question our belief in divine healing, even question our belief in the miraculous, or even to kind of go down some really interesting paths uh, of you know, theological thinking and stuff. So I thought this morning... Uh, we're in this Culture Shock series, and Culture Shock has been about two different things, really. It's been about you know, following Jesus, and what does it really look like to follow Jesus in light of what our culture thinks. And following Jesus is shocking to our culture. It's very countercultural to follow Jesus, to be a Christ follower. But also, it's kind of shocking to our previous church cultures that we've been a part of. Uh, or even the church culture that we see at large in America today and at large over the world. So we're really just looking at Scripture and saying, okay, let's go back to the Bible and see what does it really look like to follow Jesus. Well, when you look at the life of Jesus, the theology of healing is pervasive throughout his life. Jesus was healing people all the time. So to be a Christ follower is to believe that Jesus is a healer. So this morning, if you're taking notes, you want to write down a title, uh, the title of today's message is "Jesus is in the healing business." All right, Jesus is in the healing business, and here's the thing: Jesus has always been, and still is, a healer. Jesus has always been, and still is, a healer. Whenever someone that we've been praying for passes, and that question arises, you know why? Why did they not? Why did they not experience that healing on this earth? Why are some people healed and others aren't? Well, today we're going to look at that question, but I'm going to let you know right at the beginning, I have no idea. I don't know. And I'm okay not knowing. I'm just, I'm okay not knowing. Now, some of us, we're not okay not knowing, and, and that's all right. I've been there in my faith journey at many times. You know, for me, what I do is whenever I encounter something that I don't understand or that I don't know quite yet, I dive into scripture, you know, I... I call and ask advice from people that I trust that know the word, and I begin to search out and seek God for an answer. There's been things that I've sought, God, uh, sought an answer from God on for years and years and years, only for then one day for him to reveal it. And there are some things that I still don't know. And I truly believe there are some things I will not know, you will not know until we enter into heaven. But Jesus has always been and still is a healer. We don't understand all the ins and outs. We don't understand the, the nuances of it, but we know that he is a healer. Whenever I was uh, in second grade, my parents were pastors. Uh, I grew up my whole life, my parents were pastors of the same church. And it was regular practice for us on Sunday mornings to go out to eat after church. Because whenever uh, your dad's the pastor and then your mom is the, one of the pastors on staff, uh, cooking lunch at the house is, is a little difficult. So we went out to eat all the time to very luxurious restaurants, Taco Bell, McDonald's, Burger King, you know. Uh, So this one particular Sunday, we're at this Burger King in Duncanville, Texas. And this Burger King was one of our favorites because they had an outdoor playground. But not only do they have an outdoor playground, they had one of those huge slides that like, you know, went around in circles. And as a little kid in second grade, that's kind of the best playground we had back then. You know, it was like if they had a big slide, it was awesome. Well, it had one of these, you know, like half tube slides, right, where it's kind of U-shaped. And you sat down in it and slid down and then went around, you know, in the circle. Well, uh, what we would do as young boys who craved adventure, uh, we, instead of sitting down in the slide and it's surrounding us, we would climb up and we would like straddle the side of the slide. And we would ride down, most of the time, like, bottom first around. We would straddle the slide. But we're out there, and as boys, we're like one-upping one another, you know. And so at some – I don't know how it came about, but I decided I'm going to straddle the top of that slide, and I'm going to go down head first. So I get on there, and I don't know what clothes I was wearing that day. I don't remember, but they must have been some good, slick clothing because I took off down that slide. And the first turn comes around. And as the first turn comes, first turn comes around – I lose my grip, and for a split second, I'm like Superman because I'm flying through the air. And then I dive headfirst into the concrete, knocked out cold, unconscious. My brother, two years older than me, comes up, sees that I'm unconscious, goes in, and my brother, uh, you know, maybe one day you'll meet him, but he's just, my brother's not a real expressive type of person. He's real just reserved. He's quiet. He's reserved, and he goes in, and he's like, hey, mom, dad. Nathan's outside. He's unconscious. Might want to go check him out. They're like, What? You know, so they run outside and they immediately see I'm unconscious on the ground. In hitting the, I mean, I hit the concrete, not the, the squishy stuff that they had there for pads. I completely cleared that straight in the concrete and I'm knocked out cold. And they begin to pray over me in that moment. They begin to pray for God to do a work because they knew something was wrong. So uh, I called my dad earlier this week and said, Hey, I'm going to tell the story. But when I was knocked unconscious, he's like, oh, yes. I said, give me a refresher. Remind me what was going through your head, you know, as this was unfolding. And, and he said, you know, we begin to pray over you. And then we did something that, in hindsight, we should not have done, but we just didn't know. We picked you up, and we put you in the car. And we started driving to the hospital. So, that, you know, in hindsight, they get to the hospital, and the doctor said, you did what? You don't ever pick up someone that hit their head. You let some, you know, trained professionals do it. But we get to the hospital, and I'm still Unconscious. I mean, I'm breathing, but I'm still not awake. And so uh, we go to the first hospital, Charlton Methodist Hospital, and they immediately do an x-ray, and they see that there's bleeding in my brain, and then I need immediate brain surgery. Now, some of you who've known me for a while, you think, you had brain surgery as a kid? Explain so much. But, like, we can't perform the surgery here. He needs to go to the children's hospital. And he needs to be seen by the the brain surgeon that, that works on kids. And so they put me in an ambulance. And for me, even thinking back over the years, I just remember bits and pieces of this experience. But I remember waking up in the ambulance and being like, I'm in an ambulance. This is cool. And then immediately went back unconscious. My mom's in the ambulance, and she hears you know, the drivers and those in the, uh, the EMTs and everything, she hears them calling to children's hospital saying, hey, he's not doing well. He's in and out of consciousness. His vitals are not good. Uh, and so this time, my dad, he's, uh, this is before, you know, cell phones and texting and all that kind of stuff, you know, but he calls people to church and says, start praying. This is what's taking place. Start praying. So a group of people at our church gathered in the prayer room at our church and began to pray for me. And on the way to the hospital, uh, as these you know, EMTs are calling the hospital are uh, calling you know, the surgeon saying, get ready, he's coming. In the midst of this period, something begins to take place inside me because whenever I get to the hospital, they put me in a wheelchair to wheel me in. And at some, some point in time, in between getting in the wheelchair and being wheeled in the hospital, my, I kind of come alive and I, and I wake up. And there's this guy uh, from our church named J.C. Campbell. I've known him my whole life. And he had somehow beaten my dad to Children's Hospital. He must have been close because he was there in the lobby. And he saw me when I was coming in. And my, as my parents tell this story, they say, like, I kind of opened my eyes. And I was like, hey, J.C. And everyone's like, what? Like, what is going on? This kid was unconscious. And now he's just excited to see this man that he knows. So we go in. The, the surgeon comes in the room. And he sees me. And he's looking at the chart. And he just said, Something, something's not adding up something's not right here. The kid that I see in front of me is not the kid of this chart. And so he says, let's wait 30 minutes, maybe an hour. Let's just kind of see what happens. Let's see if he really needs uh, this surgery and if it needs to be immediate or what. And so over the next few hours, they begin to watch me and monitor me. And when they realize that I'm just keep getting better, they say, okay, let's do another x-ray. So do another x-ray or a CAT scan uh, and and look at my brain. And the the doctor says, I I can see where there was some damage and there's some swelling, but he doesn't need surgery. The bleeding that was there is gone. And he doesn't need surgery, so we'll keep him here for a couple days, but I don't know what to tell you. My parents are like, well, we know. You may not know what happened, but we know. We were praying, and I was healed. So through that experience, uh, there was actually, you know, obviously it was pretty traumatic to, to my physical body, but my vocal cords had been damaged. And so I didn't have like a full paralysis or anything where I couldn't use them at all, but I couldn't talk above a whisper. For a long time. It was right after this, I mean, my parents began to realize that I couldn't talk. My dad even said this week, he said, Yeah, we were watching some videos of, of uh, Papa, that was my grandfather who passed. Like, we were watching some videos of, of him at Christmas time, uh, just kind of some old home videos. And he goes, For the first time in probably 10 or 15 years, I heard what you sounded like right after your head injury. And he said, It almost brought me to tears. It's because I was just, I was, I was talking like this. You know, as a eight year old or something, you know, seven and eight year old. That was as loud as I could talk. So I had to actually go uh, to throat therapy, like physical therapy for your vocal cords, to learn how to breathe differently and learn how to talk differently. And the nurses and the doctors they told my parents, you know, through this therapy, he'll probably be able to communicate, you know, semi normally, but he'll never be able to sing. He'll never be able to yell. He'll always have to be careful. So. Years go by, and I stand here today, and people that were at Vine Church with me, you know, I've led worship, and I've sang hundreds of times over the years. So there was this miraculous, immediate healing of my brain, but then there was this very gradual, took a long time, but then God did a healing on my vocal cords. So for me, this idea of Jesus as a healer, uh, it was common for me growing up. My parents believed in it. I believed in it. I grew up in a culture where the idea that God still heals today was just, it was a given. So this idea of Jesus as a healer is not really a stretch for me. But I know in lots of Christian cultures, the truth about healing has been misrepresented. It's been misused. It's been misunderstood. And a lot of it's just simply not scriptural. It's not what the Bible says. You know, like I said a a few weeks ago, people in general like we we like things cut and dry we we like things to be explainable, we like certainty we don 't like uncertainty when it comes to healing there's there's still some mystery and there 's some uncertainty to this idea of Jesus as a healer. there's some things that we just we don 't know, and because we don't know everything it 's pretty I think understandable to see why lots of christian cultures church cultures go either in one extreme or the other because we're in search of trying to figure it all out so there's these two extremes on one extreme there are entire groups of churches and christians that have this theology that god doesn't heal anymore there's this one side that god doesn't do it. that was for jesus and the apostles to originally spread the gospel but it doesn't happen anymore And then on the opposite side, there are all these groups of churches, all these Christians that say that everyone who follows Jesus should be healed, healthy, and wealthy at all times. This is like the, you know, you make Jesus your choice, you get a Rolls Royce, Rolls Royce type of thing, right? You know, it's like that. You know, there's a little bit of that television, like if you do this, like God's going to bless you in every area of your life. You're going to be a millionaire. All you got to do is give more or whatever. You know, there's these two extremes that if you follow Jesus, You know, you're never going to see healing. Or if you follow Jesus, you're always going to be healthy and everyone's going to be healed. And the the, the problem with this, with, with these cultures over here that says everyone should be healed. The problem is if you're not healed, you must not have enough faith. Basically, the problem is you. If you're not healed, it's your fault. Both of these extremes are just that. They're extremes. And neither one are helpful, and neither one are scriptural. If you look at John chapter 5, I encourage you later this week, you can read it. Jesus heals the man at the pool of Bethesda. But the first few lines, the first few verses of that chapter, it says there were crowds of people who were blind, who were lame. There were crowds of sick people all around, and Jesus just healed one of them. So this idea that everyone around Jesus was healed all the time isn't true either. So the fact is that everyone who follows Jesus is not always going to be healed. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, you know, the biographies of Jesus, they are packed with so many stories of Jesus healing people. The crippled walked, lepers were healed, the blind were given sight, even a few dead people came back to life. Healing was a big part of the ministry of Jesus. It was showing his divinity, and it also showed his compassion for hurting people. But Jesus didn't physically heal everyone he encountered. I really want us to catch that because it's it's important to understand that Jesus did not heal everyone he encountered. He was around some people who stayed sick. He was around some people that he cared about who died. There's something else to remember. Even those who were healed, even those who were miraculously healed by Jesus. Let's think about Lazarus for a moment. Lazarus came back from the dead. Like He came back from the dead. But do you see Lazarus walking around the earth now? No. Everyone Jesus healed eventually got old or got sick, and they died. See, humanity has a 100% mortality rate. Did you know that? Like, we're all going to die. Isn't that encouraging? When someone asks you, hey, how was was church today? It was great. The preacher told us we're all going to die. There's no hope. We're all dead. Here's the thing. Jesus didn't heal everyone. And everyone he did heal eventually died. And and I'm I'm, I'm joking about this, but we're setting up uh, some really important things to know about healing and about the mission of Jesus. Now, in all seriousness, if you are sick in body, in mind, or in spirit, I pray that through the stories today, through this message today, you have hope and you have faith in Jesus as a healer because he is still a healer. We only have time to look at one story of Jesus as a healer today, but it's a really good one. And it really paints the picture of what Jesus's priority was on earth and what his priority is with healing. It's in Luke chapter 5. We're going to read quite a few verses, so just bear with me. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came, carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof, and they took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the young man, or said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. Now, we're talking about healing today. Luke, he sets up the, he sets the stage for the story. He says the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. So whenever I get to this verse 20, it says, Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, I would naturally think, and Jesus healed him. Like, that's what I would think the next sentence would be. Because that's the way the story is set up. That's the, our context of today. But Jesus says something very different. He says, Young man, your sins are forgiven. Verse 21, But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority Listen, the son of man, Jesus has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. Verse 25. This is an important part of this story. Immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. This man was lowered down to Jesus by his friends in hopes that Jesus would heal his physical needs. That was their plan. That was their hope. But notice what Jesus did first. He didn't heal his body first. He did something that caused the Pharisees, the religious elite, to be very upset. He said, your sins are forgiven. I want you to think about this. Jesus prioritized the healing of the soul before the healing of the body. Jesus prioritized the healing of the soul before the healing of the body. Did Jesus care about the man's physical needs? Absolutely. He absolutely cared about his physical needs. But his physical needs were not Jesus's top priority. The man's spiritual needs were Jesus's top priority. And it's the same way with us. Jesus cares so much more about your soul than he does your body. He cares so much more about your soul than he does our bodies. Remember, he knows that as the scriptures tell us. One day, this mortal body will put on immortality. Jesus knows that in this life, there's going to be pain, there's going to be sickness, there's going to be troubles, there's going to be hardships. And he told us, he told his disciples, you're going to experience these things, but take heart, be encouraged. I've overcome the world. Jesus knows that Oftentimes, it's the difficult things. Oftentimes, it's the hard things that really transform us and change us into who we are uh, designed to be. Sometimes we get so fixated on our immediate needs that we miss our deeper needs. So when it comes to physical healing, we need to understand that the priority of Jesus was our soul. So our priority should also be the healing of our souls. Number one, if you're taking notes, we're going to have four points today. First point is this. Jesus has the power to eternally heal our souls. Jesus has the power to eternally heal our souls. See, when I said at the beginning of today that this message is is titled, Jesus is in the healing business, that Jesus has been, still is, and will always be a healer, I bet every single one of you are thinking about your physical body or someone else's physical body. When we think of healing, we, we... Naturally, just think of physical sickness. But healing is so much more than just our mortal bodies. Jesus has the power to eternally heal our souls because our souls need healing. You see here in verse 20, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. See, Jesus will eternally heal our souls. It's the primary reason that he came to earth. Our greatest need, our greatest need in life is for our soul to be healed, which comes through forgiveness, by confession and repentance. Number two, not only does Jesus have the power to eternally heal our souls, Jesus has the power to heal our bodies. Jesus has the power to heal our bodies. He has that power. Immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God because he had been healed. Now, I want to be very clear. It's Jesus who heals. There's not a single man, woman, apostle, preacher, prophet, teacher, evangelist that can heal anybody ever. It's only the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God the Father. They're the only ones who heal, and they have the power. Jesus has the power to heal. He can and does use his people as instruments to bring forth his healing, but God is the one who heals. I still believe that Jesus heals physical bodies. I believe that he still can and sometimes does heal people physically, but not always. I believe God can miraculously intervene and there can be immediate healing. I've experienced in my life more than once. I believe that God can come in and bring about a gradual or a progressive, as some people call it, a gradual or progressive healing. I also believe that God can use the wisdom and skill of doctors to bring about healing. I firmly believe that God ordained the discovery of so many medicines to help us be healed in our bodies. And I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit, how personal that is to me, because if God hadn't ordained some of it, I would not be standing in front of you here today. There are many times, though, I've watched when healing didn't come. Let me give you an example. A few years back, uh, we were pastoring a church, and there was these two ladies at our church that both got diagnosed with cancer at right around the exact same time. I mean, within a few weeks of each other, they both got diagnosed with cancer. So what happened is the church came together, and we prayed. We began to pray for their healing. One of them was on the greeter team. One of them was on the worship team. As a church, we prayed for them. For months and months and months, we begin to pray for these ladies. And one of them, the one who was on the greeter team, she was healed. Through uh, the doctors, through chemo, but also even through that process, the doctors were surprised at how well the chemo worked and how fast it worked, and she was healed. The other one who was on the worship team, there were times where she, we thought she was being healed, and then all of a sudden, I get a call on a Friday morning from her son, and suddenly, she had passed away. And I remember sitting in the hospital with that family and we prayed and we cried and we celebrated her life even though it was taken too quickly. And I remember the other uh, woman who was on the greeter team when we found out that she was healed and cancer free. We prayed and we cried and we celebrated her life with Jesus. A few years later, woman who was on the greeter team that was healed of cancer, a few years later, she also passed away. It wasn't of cancer. It was just she had gotten up in years, and it was her time to go. And when she passed, we prayed, and we cried, and we celebrated her life with Jesus. Sometimes Jesus heals miraculously. Sometimes he uses doctors. and Sometimes there isn't a healing. And I don't understand why some people are physically healed and some people are not and i'm okay with that but no matter how much physical healing anyone experiences no matter how many times we're physically healed no matter how many times we see physical healing manifest itself number 3 point number 3 is still true earthly healing is temporary eternal healing is complete all earthly healing is temporary right we said that a moment ago think about the people that jesus healed even lazarus At some point in time they got old or they got sick and they left this life. They put on a different body. Yet, the great hope that we have through placing our faith in Jesus is this. The grave isn't the end of the story. It's really just the beginning. This life that we live, is, is, it's, but a, a, it's but a breath. It's but a blink in, re, in the light of eternity. So we know today, that Sonny is healed. He's not sick anymore. He's not struggling anymore. He's rejoicing with Jesus, and he will be there for eternity because his eternal healing is now complete. His soul has been healed, and his body and everything has been healed. And it's complete. First Corinthians chapter 15, look at what Paul writes here. Paul says, it's the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness. Listen to this. They will be raised in strength. I don't know about you, but I look forward to the day where nothing in my body hurts anymore. Amen, right? (laughs) Amen. I don't even like I'm not even that old. But my body says you played too many sports. For too long, there's all kinds of things hurting. I can't wait till I'll be raised in strength. Verse 44, they are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. See, eternal healing is complete. Not only will our soul be healed eternally and placed in heaven, but whatever is wrong with our physical body will pass away. Whatever is wrong with your physical body will someday be totally healed forever. See, we will exist for eternity in the perfect version of how God created us to be. There will be total physical healing, no disease, no cancer, no death. Total mental healing, no bipolar, no, no Alzheimer's. Total emotional and physio, you know, psychological healing, no depression, no anxiety, no shame. We will live in the wholeness God originally created for us, body, soul, mind, and spirit. You know, the start of today, I told you about a time where I was miraculously healed. And then through that came this progressive, this gradual healing. Yet, when I was 19 years old, I was in Bible college. So a little, real quick part of this story. I went to Bible college pretty reluctantly. I didn't want to do it. That's not where I wanted to go. Uh, My senior year of high school, I went to a service at the Bible college that I eventually went to. And, uh, this guy, Tommy Tinney was speaking and I have no idea what he talked about. Uh, must've been good because the Lord spoke to me and God just really impressed upon me. Hey, you're going to go to Bible college. And I said, H E double hockey sticks. I'm not going to Bible college. Like, that's what I said. You know, that's where I was in life. And I was like, I'm not doing this. And I told God, fine. If this is this really what you want me to do? Like, yeah, right. I'm not doing this. I don't want to do this, but if this is really what you want me to do. Then I want a full ride scholarship and I'm not going to apply to the college. Take that, God, see what you can do with it, right? Three weeks later, my dad dad gets an email from the president of the college saying, we don't know if Nathan's considered going to our college or not, but if he has, we wanted to go ahead and award him the presidential scholarship so he can go to school tuition-free. My dad showed it to me, and he's like, wow, how cool is this? And I was like, I guess I'm going to Bible college. My parents are like, what? Like, they didn't really understand. I did pretty well in school, academically, and they're like, you have you know, full-ride offers from other places. I was like, no, 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 you don't understand, Dad. This is what happened. I didn't apply. My dad goes, you didn't even apply? I was like, no, I didn't tell anybody. I told everybody I don't want to go there. He goes, well, I think the Lord's speaking to you. I said, yeah, I think he is. So I get to the Bible college, and after a year of Bible college, I'm already there reluctantly, but I've given in at this point, and I'm like, all right, God, that's what you want me to do. Like, I believe it was a great first year. After my first year of Bible college, the, the summer I'm working at a youth camp, And I lose 30 pounds in three weeks. And my mom says, Nathan, something is wrong with you. And I was like, ah, we're just working a lot of hours. You know, it's just kind of crazy. She says, no, something's wrong. You need to go to the doctor. I go to the doctor, and I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So I have type 1 diabetes. I'm insulin dependent, which means every single day I take insulin. And if I don't take insulin, I will die. Now, there's two different types of diabetes. There's type 1 and type 2. Uh, Type 2 can kind of control things with diet and exercise and different things and some pills. Type 1s can't. It's a different type of diabetes. There's no amount of diet that I could eat. There's no amount of, you know, certain types of food that I would not, that that I would continue to live without medicine. So let me tell you, I'm so thankful that God ordained the invention of insulin so that I could still be here today, many, many, many years later. I have not been healed of type 1 diabetes yet. We've prayed. And we've prayed, and we've prayed, and we've prayed. People have prayed over me. People, you know, other people prayed over me. I mean, we prayed so many years. It was just like, all right. Every now and then, I, you know, kind of get some uh, strength and faith, and I'll pray again. It's like, well, it's probably not happening. Maybe it will. I still have faith that God can heal, and maybe will heal me. At this point, I'm like, ah, it's been a long. It's been. I was 19, so it's been a long time since then. And I'm still not healed. God miraculously healed me, didn't need brain surgery, progressively, gradually healed me of of vocal, you know, vocal nodules, vocal cord problems. But yet, every single day I live knowing that there's a sickness in my body that's not been healed yet. See, there's faith and there's hope in my soul because I know one day I will enter into eternity and my body will be healed completely. Diabetes doesn't exist in heaven. There's three types of healing we see in scripture. And there's three types of healing. I see this personally in my own life, all right? There's three types of healing we see in scripture. Immediate. There's immediate healing. We read about that a moment ago. Jesus saw the man, forgave his sins, and then he just get up and walk, and he healed him. There's also gradual healing or progressive healing that we see in scripture. The numbers are, are different on here than up there. I was like, oh, it's right. Okay, okay. There's gradual healing. You know, there's a point in time where Jesus uh, puts mud on a guy's eyes and he says, can you see? And he says, uh, he takes him off. And he's like, no, I can't see yet. It looks like a bunch of trees. And then Jesus says, let's do it again. There's gradual, there's progressive healing. And there's also eternal healing. Number four, this brings us to our last point. Healing results in praising God whether it be immediate, whether it be gradual, or whether it be eternal, healing should always result in praising God. Let's go back to our story. When the paralyzed man was lowered from the roof, when he was healed, what did he and everyone who witnessed that healing do? They praised God. This is before Instagram, you know. It wasn't like, hey, hashtag healed by Jesus. Hashtag Pharisees be bad though. DM me for the deets, you know, it's before those. They just praise God. Sometimes we get caught up in praising the person who was the instrument for healing instead of God. Sometimes we get caught up in praising the miracle instead of the miracle worker. It's for God's glory. Healing should always result in praising God. Everyone around this man that was healed, they were gripped with wonder and awe. And they said, we have seen amazing things today. They praise God. They focus on the miracle worker. And I think there might be some of you in here today that need physical healing. Jesus has always been and still is a healer. And if you need physical healing, this family will always be a family where we pray for you to be healed in this life. Because we know that Jesus can. And we know that he sometimes does. If you need physical healing today, in a moment, our prayer team is going to be up front. Our worship team is going to play this song called Waymaker. He makes a way. And we want to pray for your physical healing. Some of you in here, the healing that you need isn't physical. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe there's some deep wounds of the past caused by some trauma, abuse. Maybe caused by your own sin and mistakes. But there's some past wounds and hurts that are still affecting you on a deep emotional level. We want to pray for healing today. And that, he, that healing may come immediately. Immediately that healing may come progressively and gradually. Sometimes when we're we're up against and we have emotional or or physical uh, ailments, sicknesses, we need someone else in our life to help us get that healing. We have doctors who provide insulin so that I can live. But also, I've seen a counselor before in my life because I had some deep wounds that I needed help. I was hitting a wall constantly and I needed help getting past that wall. So I needed to see someone so that they could help me get past that wall. They were Christian, pastor, we prayed together. But even though we prayed together, I needed to deal with some stuff. This morning, we want to pray with you. And there might be immediate healing. There might be gradual healing. Or this morning, there might be someone in your life you know that's need, that's in, in deep need of, of, of God to heal them physically or emotionally or mentally in some way. When our prayer team comes up here, you can come up and you and that prayer person can pray for someone else you know as well. We see that in scripture where sometimes we pray for people and they are healed even if they're not in the room. A man comes to Jesus and says, my servant's sick. Jesus says, go. He's been healed. And he went and he was healed. The person that we pray for to be healed doesn't have to be in the room with us. There's no kind of special way to do it about you got to do things a certain way and say things a certain way. Like there's, there's a lot of mystery to healing, but we know that Jesus does heal. Would you stay with me this morning? Our prayer team is going to go ahead and make their way to the front as we pray. And if, I encourage you, if you need healing or if you know someone that needs healing, to come up and pray. Heavenly Father, we know that you are a healer. Jesus, we know that you heal our souls eternally. We know that you have the power to heal our physical bodies. You have the power to heal our emotional and mental sicknesses and ailments that we have, our struggles. God, we know that you have the power to heal we pray this morning that as we as we gather together and as we pray, that you would bring healing. And we'd hear stories about healing, whether that be today or two weeks from now, whether it's immediate, whether it's gradual, we'd hear stories of your healing to strengthen our faith in knowing that you are still a healer. Because we know that you are a way maker. You make a way where there seems to to not be any way. In Jesus' name, amen.